The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So for these um, retreats, I offer those tools that I offered this afternoon for all the retreats. And then I like to uh, suggest an additional piece to explore during the week to maybe connect it to something that has a little more juice. <laughs> and so this week what I decided to, uh, to pick is to... Um, to look at some area of your life, to pick some area of your life or some particular habit or pattern where you tend to get caught, where it tends to feel like this pattern is out of control, like you don't have any say over whether it happens. Um, for myself, when I first uh, started this practice, as I mentioned earlier, uh, anger was so powerful in my life that it felt like it was out of control and the reason why I started being curious about mindfulness was to see if there could be some traction for me to begin to not be just so ruled by my anger to be able to uh, have some choice in the matter and so Somebody sent me a book about mindfulness and I started practicing in daily life. As I said, I wasn't so interested in, um, in meditating, but I was very interested in exploring and understanding my mind. And in particular, I was interested in understanding something about how anger worked in my mind. In this case, I was angry at a... Anger was an issue for me in general, but in this case, I was very angry at a particular person. And so that's how I narrowed it down. I just decided that I was going to become mindful whenever that anger arose. So very similar practice to the, you know, the tasks that I described, except this was around a particular activity of mind. It was around a particular state of mind that was really basically making me non-functional for, for little chunks of the day. I mean, I would wake up, I would find myself frozen at the computer, uh, just enraged. And um, so this is what I, I chose. I decided I was going to see if I could wake up for my anger. And again, I had gotten this suggestion in this book that picking some specific projects around mindfulness might be more... Um, doable than trying to be mindful all day. And so I went right for the thing that was my core issue at that, at that time. And there was so much benefit of that exploration. I did go for the thing that was probably the biggest, hardest thing in my life at that point. Um, but I, had, I felt like I'd kind of hit bottom and... It was like, well, this is really suffering. I'm experiencing so much suffering here. There's got to be some, some way out of this. But I had tried so many different things and nothing had been fruitful. And when I got this book, it's like, well, I'm just going to go right for the anger, see if this 
practice can be of some support to me in this exploration of the anger. And so I picked the most, one of the most challenging things that was up for me at that time. Um, in the, during this week, you're welcome to go for something that's really up for you, or you're also welcome to pick something that maybe is a little uh, less potent. <laughs> it's, it's up to you. Um, you know, so what I'd like to do is to encourage you to pick some habit or pattern of mind that you're interested in exploring and understanding. Why does this happen? Why do I keep getting caught by this? Why do, why do I keep getting stuck in this same rut over and over again? Pick something you're really interested in exploring. I found that interest is a huge support for mindfulness. If you're really interested in it, because the, the, the mindfulness practice begins to help us to understand what's happening. And our exploration kind of needs to be motivated by interest rather than, boy, do I sure want this to go away. You know, I want to figure out how to fix this and get rid of it. That attitude of wanting to fix it and get rid of it will kind of get in the way of the... um, the kind of mindfulness that actually helps support us to be released from difficult patterns and habits. And so interest in exploring it, interest in understanding what's going on, are, it's, it's really supportive for this kind of practice and this kind of mindfulness. So um, for me in this exploration, it was actually pretty obvious pretty quickly how powerful this simple tool of mindfulness was when I first noticed the anger. You know, anger at least has this kind of feature perhaps that uh, when you're not aware of it, it tends to feed on itself and get stronger. and, And so this is what was happening. You know, when I wasn't aware It was just kind of escalating, and I would find myself just like frozen and unable to function. And so the first time I I read these books and I got this idea about, okay, I want to try to wake up to my anger, know that I'm angry while I'm angry. And actually, I had no clue how that would work. You know, it's like that made no logical sense to me, that somehow being mindful of something like anger would have any beneficial uh, results. In fact, I thought it would do the opposite. I thought, won't that just make me more angry? But I, again, I was kind of willing to put trust in this friend who'd sent me this book. She'd said, this has been helpful to me. And so it's like, okay, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm willing to give it a try. And the first time that I woke up, it was, um, I was enraged. I was in a very strong state of anger. And it was like, oh my goodness, I'm aware. I'm aware that I'm angry. What the heck am I supposed to do with this? I don't know. Boy, this feels really unpleasant. Wow. Yep. Yep. I'm angry. And I don't know what to do with this. I guess I go back to work. That's what I did in that moment. And in retrospect, actually, a long time in retrospect, I recognized that that moment of mindfulness actually created the conditions for there to be a little bit of separation from that anger so that I could go back to work. It let me set the anger 
aside so that I could get on with my day. And that was actually really powerful. And that's how I explored that very strong emotion was just to, whenever I noticed it, yep, this is what it's like. And again, very simple. You'd ask me, what do I do in that moment? It's really simple. It's just like, yep, this is what it's like for a human being to feel angry. You might notice, you might notice uh, whatever it is, you know, you might notice it could be, it could be um, frustration or procrastination or some pattern or habit that, um, hang on a sec, some, some pattern or habit that is happening for you right now. Maybe, maybe um, a particular kind of reactivity that comes whenever you have a conversation with one particular person or when you have to do something in particular, you know, a kind of a, uh, a fear or an anxiety that comes up when you have to do something. Um, whatever it is for you that you're interested in understanding and exploring, when you wake up and recognize, yep, this is the experience of that anxiety or that frustration or that confusion, that chaotic mind, whatever it is, this is what it's like for a human being to feel that way. It's kind of that, that perspective of curiosity of and not, oh, this is me feeling this way, but more it's kind of like, you know, human beings have these states that pass through them. What is the human experience of anger or frustration or confusion? And what, again, whatever's obvious for you in that moment, whatever's obvious, really keeping it light, uh, keeping the, keeping the uh, effort around noticing whatever's happening, really light. It's just what's obvious in this state. And you may or may not have any time I mean, you might, you might wake up in the midst of uh, an argument with your boss. Wow, yep, really frustrated right now, yep. And it's not like you can like, take time in that moment and say, stop, I have to pay attention right now. It's just, wow, this is, this is, yep, this is the human experience of frustration right now, and I have to continue having this conversation. But just be as available as you can for knowing what can be known. You may lose mindfulness again immediately in certain situations. Other times you might have a little more time. I mean, for instance, with me, with that first time I noticed the anger, I didn't particularly have anything to do in that moment, except that I had no real clue of what, of what to do with it. You know, it's just like, yep, anger. Okay, yep. I know that's what's happening. And, and I had very little instruction, actually, in what does it mean. You know, the, if I'd had instructions, I would have thought, okay, how is it in the body? How does it feel in the body? How, how does it impact uh, my thoughts? You know, so I might have done a little bit of investigation, but I had no tools that way. But even just that really simple, yep, this is what it's like to be angry had a very powerful impact over the next few weeks. And I'll describe that, um, what, what, how that unfolded. So the, in the moment, you may or may not have time to do any kind of investigation, but just, again, just notice what's obvious and perhaps get on with your day. If you have some time, you could do a little bit of mindfulness practice, of investigation, of, yep, 
tightness in the stomach and anxiety feels like this, you know, so doing a little bit of investigation in the moment. Or if you see that you're overwhelmed, maybe using some tools that help you to ground, um, uh, you know, just connecting with your feet on the ground or your your hips against the chair or cushion or bench, or maybe just connecting with something in your visual field every second, some additional, you know, just look at something and then switch and look at something and switch, just to ground yourself for five seconds so that you can let it go and move on with your day. So for myself in this, um, in this practice, what I discovered pretty quickly actually Before I started this practice, I was regularly getting into that non-functional state around anger. That was happening a lot. And then when I started this practice um, around exploring anger, pretty quickly the, um, the mindfulness began to kind of insert itself into the process of anger kind of earlier in the process. Be like I'd wake up recognizing, yep, heading into non-functionality, but able to to much more, right, this is, yep, this is anger, but it wasn't that rage. And so pretty quickly I began to see that mindfulness was weakening the power of anger, weakening that real strong um, movement towards anger. And, And in retrospect, I understand it kind of interrupted this thought cycle of the mind just retelling the story of why it was angry which tends to escalate the emotion. And so the recognizing, it, yep, this is the human experience of anger. This is what it's like to be angry. had a very powerful um, impact on my life. And I was very quickly able to be much more functional in my life and to have a relationship with that anger that, was, uh, that I, could, I could navigate I could choose to say, yeah, that's there, and I don't need to deal with that right now. I can put that aside. So it had a very strong impact on me. And um, even even some very uh, deep understanding of... I've told this story a lot, so I know some of you have heard this, but... Um, this this happened in this very first, you know, I'd say two months of doing this practice. And I hadn't really started doing sitting meditation. But I was just watching my mind and curious about the anger. And what seemed to happen is that having that interest, yep, I'm going to wake up whenever I'm angry, began to orient the mind to the, maybe we could say, the smell of anger coming. So that it was like the, the, the mindfulness began to recognize, yep, these are conditions from which whew, anger is going to mushroom. And there was one particular um, day that I was in my kitchen and I was cutting an apple. I was just, you know, I wasn't even particularly trying to be mindful. But I was um, doing this activity. And I, in that moment of cutting that apple, I saw a thought arise in my mind about the person I was angry with. We were together at a fruit stand. And I could see that the association between what I was doing, the apple, and the memory, that they were linked. That there was a kind of a, an association. And then I could also see in that moment that 
I'm thinking about this person, thinking about this person that I am livid with, only I'm not livid in this moment, but boy, do I want to get angry at them. That was like a mind-blowing revelation that I wanted to get angry. And part of what had been unfolding in the previous few uh, weeks of exploring this was that when I woke up to being aware that I was angry, I understood this is suffering. This hurts this being. And I also understood that my mind believed, had this idea that somehow this anger was going to make the other person miserable. And uh, it was kind of highlighted for me because I was in the Peace Corps at the time. I was 7,000 miles away on an island in the middle of the South Pacific, and the person I was angry with was in California. Pretty clear that it was doing nothing to him, but it was eating me up. And so I got a very deep, visceral understanding that, yes, anger hurts. And as soon as my mind saw itself wanting to get angry, it's like I didn't even have to do anything. It was like the mind understood that way lies suffering. That way lies pain. That way lies struggle. And the mind let it go. In all of this, in the space of a split second, seeing the thought, the inclination to get angry, the recognition that I'm not angry now, but that way lies suffering, and the mind letting it go, all of that happened in a moment. And it happened because mindfulness was available. If mindfulness hadn't been available, the mind would have just gone into that anger. And in the next moment, I kind of stood there, Because it was so unusual for me to think about this person and not have anger happen. That uh, I kind of stood there waiting to get angry. And I didn't get angry. And then, at the next moment, I was kind of, oh my gosh, this stuff is really powerful. This mindfulness. So confidence got very strong confidence that this practice is worth doing. I deeply understood in that moment the value of why I was doing this. It was a, it was a direct hit of understanding why am I doing this. And so that was a lot of confidence that arose in that moment. And that was powerful, actually, I think, that, that recognition of confidence in that moment. And so this is pointing to the next piece of what I'd like to encourage because You know, if we are exploring challenging things for us, if we're picking something that's challenging, you know, a lot when we wake up, it is, it is painful. You know, frustration hurts. Anxiety is hard to be with. And so sometimes as we're bringing mindfulness and exploring, what does it mean to wake up for these difficult reactive emotions? We are focused on the, the, the suffering side of it. You know, we're, we're kind of recognizing, yeah, this, is, this hurts, and, you know, the, boy, why do I want to be mindful of this again? It doesn't feel very good. You know, so, so there can be that side of, uh, of, of our 
experience that as we wake up to something that's challenging, we can kind of recoil from it or resist it because it's, it's not so pleasant to wake up in those moments. And so what I'd like to encourage, and again, you don't have to pick the hardest thing, but maybe pick some pattern that, is, uh, that interests you, um, something that keeps going in your life, something you're interested in understanding. And then also be curious about what the activity of being mindful does for us. So there's, um, there's five qualities of mind that kind of can begin to come along the, for the ride as we are curious about our experience. There's more than five, but there's five that I'm going to uh, encourage that you ex- potentially explore during this week. Uh, and these are called the five faculties. Confidence, energy, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. My s- teacher, Saira Utejaniya, talks about these five qualities being awareness, basically, that these are the qualities that come together that uh, we bring to experience that make awareness. And so... You know, awareness has different feelings at different times depending on the strengths or the weakness of these qualities. When mindfulness is strong, awareness has a certain feeling. When mindfulness and confidence are strong, awareness has a certain feeling. When mindfulness and concentration are strong, awareness has a certain feeling. When mindfulness is weak, awareness feels a different way. And so these, uh, these qualities are being cultivated as we practice. And sometimes we can... Be curious about uh, about what what else is coming along for the ride. Like in that moment when I noticed, wow, this is really helpful. That was confidence. That was sada, the Pali, for confidence, faith. Yes, this is useful. I'm going to keep doing this. And it was really helpful to notice that, to feel right into the value of it. And so as we're exploring, um, explore, and I've got uh, these written up, and so I'll, there's, there's information written about these qualities, um, and we can talk about them more during the week. Um, so you can read about the individual qualities a little bit. But so for instance, as you're exploring mindfulness with some challenging experience. You might gain some sense of confidence. Yes, I can actually I can actually hang out with this. I can be with this. That's confidence. Or you might be aware that actually bringing mindfulness to experience, there's some energy there that's available. Sometimes there's energy in our um, reactivity that the mindfulness can kind of connect with and and be uh, supported by. It's like somehow the energy, a lot of our reactivity actually has a lot of energy to it. Boy, anger has a lot of energy in it. And when the mindfulness can begin to uh, connect with it, the mindfulness can kind of re-channel some of that energy. You might begin to recognize that you can sustain mindfulness a little bit over time. This is a form of concentration that you can actually be with something for 
you know, even five seconds is a little bit of sustaining of mindfulness. That's a little bit of concentration. We're not talking about, in daily life, we're not talking about a focused concentration where we're tuning into one thing. But concentration in daily life is more about the mind, the stability of awareness, that we can stay present without kind of getting pulled off into thought. And so we can begin to recognize maybe a little uh, of the beautiful qualities or supportive qualities that are growing as we pay attention to our difficult states. This doesn't have to be a major project. In fact, I would like to encourage it not to be a major project. But, because, but um, you know, even just hearing... You know, as you bring your mindfulness to something that's challenging, it's not just the challenging thing that's happening. Mindfulness is happening, and maybe confidence is happening, and maybe there's some concentration being cultivated, and maybe some wisdom is developing. And so we, we don't always have to land on the side of what's difficult. We can sometimes be curious about the beautiful, the supportive side as well. And, you know, it may just be as simple as what else is happening here? You know, maybe, maybe just that light. Like, you don't, again, in daily life, it really has to be a light touch for, for our practice. So, um, it's 4.30, and we do need to stop, but uh, I'm happy to stay for another couple minutes if there's some questions. If you need to go, please feel free to go. Um, but I, I'm happy to stay, you know, just to, to respond to questions if, uh, if there's any questions. So, yeah, feel free to go if you need to go. With that. Yes, the handout. Yes. There's two handouts. Oh, here they are. So this one is what I talked about earlier. And this one is what I just talked about. So there's two. So So one's got a staple and one doesn't. <laughs> 